Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, you're still standing after our softball escapades the other day with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. That and the fact that I had to stay up late for the hockey game and get up early. And then wake up early for the Sixers, right? Can you handle this? I'm telling you, it's like living in Hawaii. It's tough on the body. Uh Uh-huh. It's uh, making me feel older. It's better than no sports. It is much better than no sports. How did you handle breakfast and basketball this morning with the Sixers? I I was trying to figure out, like, what are you supposed to eat with that? Like Like Wimbledon. Yeah, if you're supposed to eat certain things for breakfast at Wimbledon. What do you, what do, you do for basketball? Uh, I don't know. I had a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could have bacon at any meal, right. so I'm not I'm not the right one to ask. Hence the reason you like the Iron Picks. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I do have the right guy to ask because Mike O'Connor from The Athletic, I was following your Twitter feed this morning, and you had a J.R. Smith gif up there at 730. So I don't <laughs> think you were too excited to wake up early this morning and watch basketball. I wasn't at first. It actually wasn't so bad, though. I mean, it's like it's it's literally the reverse of what my workday normally is, where the game is at seven o'clock at night and you're up till one o'clock in the morning. This this day wasn't too bad, actually. No, you're done pretty early. Right. So, I'm sorry we had to get you at the end of the day to make you work again. I mean, you got to follow your uh, story right. and be done. Right. <laughs> what yeah, you eat? Yeah. So what do you what do you ha- to answer the question? What do you what do you eat for breakfast when you're watching basketball at seven a.m. <laughs> I, I went light today. I just had a banana and, and some yogurt. So I, told, I was, wasn't too hungry. I told Jeff. I went He's with healthy. Bacon, He's a healthy eater. You can anyway. tell. All right. So, Mike, tell us what we saw this morning. Sixers win over in China. Um, clearly, the NBA is excited about their continued efforts to expand around the globe. Uh, Joel Embiid kissed somebody on the forehead. Uh, it seemed like it went well for them over there. It seemed like it did, yeah. Um, you know, I, I really... I really was a little bit disappointed with, uh, you know, how much we didn't see out of the Sixers' big names. I, I don't think we saw much at all from Markel Fultz. We really didn't see that much from Ben Simmons. And Embiid had a few interesting moments. But, I mean, this game was really about J.J. Redick and Landry Shamit just hitting shots from all over the place. Uh, and then third and fourth quarter, you saw the Sixers' third stringers come in and play pretty well as well. Well, isn't the reason that Fultz – we didn't see a lot of faults as he got in early foul trouble. Yeah, five fouls. Yeah, that was that was crazy. He he had five fouls, I think, at halftime. How does that not, happen? <laughs> they, Don't they normally the take NBA, them out? <laughs> no, well, what's happening is the NBA almost every year does this thing where they think they they will come out with some sort of statement like they're going to call the game tighter this year to to decrease the the physicality, open the game up. And it lasts about the preseason, maybe the first week, and then it stops. So <laughs> this has been going on a while, but it is tough to watch. It definitely is painful. It, you know, Redick, I mean, he was on fire, 10 of 10 with, with his shots. But, I mean, we sort of have an idea for, for what he is. Landry Shamit, tell me about him and, and what you think his role will be with this team. I think... Um, you know, it'll depend on when Wilson Chandler gets back. I think that I think that a lot of Landry's minutes would go to Wilson Chandler, but uh, if if he is out for a while, I think Landry's pretty capable of coming in and just filling a role as a shooter. He does similar similar things to Redick in that you just have him fly around screens and and take dribble handoffs and you know just just have your hands ready on the wing to to catch and shoot, but. Yeah, you know, I, I think he's been a pleasant surprise so far. I, I personally did not expect him to look like this uh, this early. 
Um, I still think his body has to develop a lot. He's very, very skinny. But that shot is for real, man. I mean, he, he just, it's so smooth. Speaking of, speaking of shots, before I let Jeff jump in, I saw your last story, or one of your earlier stories, on Markel Fultz and his shot. We talked about how tough a game he's had. Um, you, at the time, had said, you know, we'll have to wait to see the video to break it down. But you've watched a lot of it in the gym. What are you seeing this year as opposed to last year? Because last year didn't see much of anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, think, I think he's made major strides. Um, I think the jump shot is definitely a lot better. You're more comfortable with him taking it. I mean, this time last year, he would not even think about a catch-and-shoot three or any kind of three-pointer, but he wouldn't even think about it. And now he's taking them, and they don't look great. Uh, I don't have super high expectations for him percentage-wise. I think from from three this year, maybe you see him at like 31%. Um, but, hey, you know, that's like I said, that's a lot better than where he was last year. And I think the pull-up, his pull-up jump shot off the dribble is closer to being uh, 100% than, than his, you know, catch and shoot. Um, but, you know, it's everybody looks at this situation as two extremes, right? I feel like we've been in that for, for the last year where everybody either thinks that he's never going to shoot again and it'll never be anything like what you thought he was or he's going to recover 100% and be what you thought he was and more. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle, I think, and I think that's where he is now. Um, if If... You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, here, this is the way I, I kind of view it. On a scale of 1 to 10, if 1 is the shot last year and 10 is the shot at Washington, not that his shot at Washington was a 10 out of 10, but just for our purposes here, I'd say he's about a 6 right now, maybe 60%, 70% recovered to, to where he was. And so Brown's been starting him some in the preseason, and I was down at the, the Friday night game against the Australian team, you know, he didn't take the three like he did in the in the second game, but he did have a, a block from the chase down from behind. Uh, thoughts on his role and if he'll be in the starting lineup to start the season or if that's just something to give him a little confidence in the preseason from the coach? I think I think that he will. Uh, I think he will start, he'll be a starter the regular season. Um, I think that's a lot of it is just Brett Brown, you know, twofold, t- trying to give him confidence, but also just saying, you know, look, J.J. Redick is 34, and we need to figure out a way. We need to figure out, first off, whether or not, but also we need to figure out a way to get Fultz and Simmons to fit together. They need to figure it out. They need to play together. We need to see if it works. Um, I think that's a big motive on his part there, and I, I do think it will continue. What I don't think will happen, I think you'll see a lot uh, of, of Fultz on the bench to end games. I would, I could easily see Redick being, uh, coming in for him the last you know, six minutes of a game and, and, and both sitting on the bench. I think you'll see that happen. Mike, the the way I see this working, if Fultz and Simmons are going to play together, is is if Joel Embiid decides to stay in the key. Because I think it opens it up by playing pitch and catch with the three of them. It, it Does Joel Embiid, or is, is that a plan that Brett Brown has, or is that something that Joel Embiid now understands, or is he going to continue to be the guy that shoots eight to ten three-pointers when he gets excited in a game? I, I think that the coaching staff still wants him shooting, and I think that if he can prove it, if he can improve, I think it's worthwhile because, you know, you just have, with Fulton Simmons, you have a total lack of shooting, outside shooting from your guard spots, which is not something that most teams can survive, right? So I think that, you know, part of what's needed to make up for that is Embiid being a presence on the perimeter and, and you know, kind of 
attracting his men out of the paint so that Simmons and Fultz have space to drive and create in the middle of the floor. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, I, I hear your point, but I think that in the long run, Embiid has to be some sort of threat to shoot. What concerns me about that is what happened to them with the Celtics. They may get through the season, and a lot of teams, I think that they can get away with it. The concern that I have is is that it what the Celtics did was move their defense out. And by moving the defense out, it created a situation where the Sixers didn't have that many opening shots, where if Embiid had stayed in the middle more, I understand he shoots better, but I think that it opens them up even to slash more to the basket. Yeah, I mean, well, I think what the biggest thing you're referencing is like Embiid has to be a presence in the middle of the floor to score, right? Right. You need him to be able to back down Horford or back down Aaron Baines and be that go-to option. I agree with you that that is a more central, more important part of their offense than Embiid launching threes. Um, But I think that when he is not, when you know, you know, if Ben Simmons is isolating, if he's at the top of the key and he's trying to drive to the rim, you don't want him beat in the paint. Right. You want him out the, the three-point line. So I, I think it's important that he can be a presence in both places. Yeah, I don't. I don't want him to abandon the outside shot, but but I want him. I want Joel to have more of a presence at the basket. I think that's where he is most effective. I think it adds to his game having the three-pointer, but I think that some a little bit of traditional basketball doesn't hurt. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, he's still there. He still should be their number one option going to him on the low block. I mean, he's he is by far and away the best at creating his own shot in any facet on this team. It's not even close. Uh, I know it's only preseason. Uh, any concerns that uh, Dario Sarge is only 1 of 10 from three-pointers, only double-digit scoring game against the Australian team, anything to watch there? I don't think so, but it is interesting. Dario has had a slow start to his first two seasons as well. You know, he plays a lot of basketball overseas during the summer. I wonder if that has something to do with it. But if you remember last year, he was shooting like 30% until uh, like through November, and that was when he started to turn around like five, six weeks into the season. And it was the same thing as his rookie year, although he didn't quite have the same turnaround. Um, but I, I think it could be something to watch just because of he, he plays an absurd amount of basketball over the summer, which most guys don't do. It just amazes me that how much basketball that guy plays. I mean, people don't even realize it's amazing. It. He's always on the court. And he hasn't, he's hardly missed any games in the NBA either. Yeah. But, and you can tell he loves it. I mean, he's such a scrap. Oh, he's a gym rat. Yeah. He's totally, he loves that. Uh, we, you know, we had this debate before we went on the air today, Mike, about what, you know, the Sixers keep talking about whether or not they, who's the, th- the third of the big three, that a team needs to have a big three. Is Dario being discounted too much as a, as a possible third piece to a, a big three, or is he just a role player? Yeah, I don't see I, – I see Dario as like the quintessential role player, um, not necessarily as a star. I mean, I, it's funny. I, I've had this debate with a lot of people, and what it always comes back to is everybody has a different definition of what is a star. You're not so much debating Dario as you are what you perceive it to be a star, right? Right. And uh, but but, you know, I, I just think that Dario isn't the guy that you just you clear out and give the ball to or the guy that, you know, is your your first option or second option in offense. Like, let's just give it to Dario and let him do something. 
I think he the way that he makes an impact is in a lot of role player type ways, hustle plays, cuts, offensive rebounds, great you know passes, secondary secondary uh, creator and whatnot, stretch the floor, pick and pop. Like those are things that great role players do. They're just not things that star star players do. So is the window closing for them to get that third star with the Embiid and Simmons contracts coming up? Yeah, I, I mean this this last this year and you know obviously next summer is their last chance because after that, like you said, all that cap space goes to Ben Simmons and you'll be over the cap, can't make a major free agent signing. So it it is it is this year and it'll be it'll be really interesting to see if they do it. Well, Elton Brand certainly has a challenge on his hand. Any thoughts on him as the new general manager for the team in the process? I yeah, I mean I I really like Elton. I think he's a really sharp, bright guy, um, and everyone has such great things to say about him. Um, you know, it's it's just it, it it's it's hard to look at it in a vacuum, though. You know, like this, we heard all throughout June that this was the most coveted GM job in a decade. And at the end of the day, Elton was on the roster two years ago. You know, I, I, again, I think he could very well end up doing a great job. It's just that the optics, the optics of, of the hire and the, on the process behind it are questionable. But I, think I like this, Elton. I think, I think he could do a good job. I think the search process itself tainted the result. I mean, obviously it, it got started for a challenging reason, but it's sort of like, you know, the ex- they raised the expectations at the end of the season that they were going to go star hunting and then didn't get any stars. Then all of a sudden it's the greatest job in the world and they promote from within. So I wonder if it's about their inability to manage expectations. Wait, they got Mike Muscala. Oh, and again, it's it's sort of managing expectations. <laughs> like Mike Muscala will be a good role player on the team. And Wilson but, Chandler. But Mike Muscala and Wilson Chandler don't fit your we're going star hunting. So that's like a self-made issue. You know, they talked that position up to being this great opportunity. It wasn't like everybody said, yeah, this is there, but they talked it up. They bought in. You, you could have downplayed that hype and said, yeah, we're going to do it differently. They didn't. They, they let that go. Um, I, I just have one more question. So an earlier story that you had written about training camp um, said that the Sixers are implementing some vastly new defensive concepts, so they won't specify what they are. And Brett Brown said, we're trying things a little differently. We could experience some pain initially. But I feel like to get where we want to go, we have to do that. Any more come out on that? Any thoughts on the secret defensive plan that we're talking about here? Yeah, we've seen a little bit of it uh, in the preseason. And the biggest thing, well, one of the biggest things is that they're switching everything on and off the ball, uh, point guard through power forward, right? So everything, every screen, whether it's on or off ball, if it doesn't involve Embiid, they're switching it, um, which which is definitely the, the, the direction of where the league is going. I mean, we've seen the Rockets, the Thunder really have – great success against the Warriors doing it the past several years. Um, it is it is tough with the, with the personnel they have. Like Dario Sarch, I don't know if that, I don't know if you want to have him switch onto a point guard. That was exactly I what I was thinking. Is he athletic enough to to do that switch? And I guess the pain that Brett talks about is the pain of when you miss your switch and your assignment and you end right. up with the open man on uh, out there getting a shot because the switch wasn't right. Yep, exactly, exactly. And especially like it, it takes a. It, Embiid was saying this. It takes a long time to develop that that chemistry, that understanding, because there's so many things that teams can do to to confuse you. 
like one of the biggest things that, that the Warriors have worked on as teams have tried to do this against them is they'll have two guys like Steph and Clay run right up to each other but not set a screen. And so what happens is the two guys who are thinking about switching don't know whether they consider that a screen or not. They just and they and they end up miscommunicating and one of them gets open. There's so many things you can do to to fluster a defense like that. And and like Embiid was saying, they really have to develop a chemistry there. That's going to drive fans nuts. <laughs> they right. might. They very so, well might. So tell us about Firkin. Is he is he going to make a difference, and is he going to be in in the regular rotation? I don't think he's in the regular rotation. I think that there aren't many minutes there to begin with, especially with Redick now coming off the bench, right? Like there's about ten, there's about fifteen minutes up for grabs, and I think Landry Shamit is ahead of him, in, you know, on in terms of you know Brett Brown's mind at least right now. Um, and I think those minutes are going to go to him. And when Wilson Chandler gets back, he'll eat up some of those as well. What about when Zaire Smith gets back? Jeff just, I actually, Jeff just wants to make I believe think, like he's going to play. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think actually Zaire could see some pretty major time in the G League this year. Um, I, I'd heard something like that, but I, I think that his game is so incredibly raw. Um, and on top of that, you have a guy that will be coming off a major injury. Uh, maybe you get to a point in the season where Shamit has claimed the role or, or all those minutes are filled. They don't even want to introduce Zaire. Maybe the injury takes longer than anticipated. You don't even want to throw Zaire into the March rotation of a playoff team. Um, I could just easily see a situation where they just send him down to the G League and have him play there. Is it possible that he'll, he'll be back this year, or is this going to be another red shirt? It's, I've heard it's very likely he's back this year. I mean, they the timetable they've given is, is December, wow. uh, like middle middle to end of December. So, But, again, we've heard that before. And right. it, uh, <laughs> it is, right. I love it the caveat you gave there. So, Mike, you, you, yeah. you've been down to the facility for, for, for practices, right? Yep. Uh, so the most important interview I'm wondering if you've had a chance to do is to find out whether what Franklin the dog thinks of Gritty. <laughs> I'll have, to, I'll have to chase that story down. Frank, Franklin, uh, Franklin's at games, but not practices usually. Although they should have him at practice. Yeah, he's got to get uh, himself in the game shape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try. I'll try to track him down and get his thoughts. Well, we, we expect that to be your next big expose. Look, I'm telling you, nothing, <laughs> nothing gets clicks like talk about pets. Like you've got it right yep. there. And gritty. We yep. really, we really appreciate you coming on. And after waking up early to watch the Sixers in China, uh, they'll obviously back. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the show as the season progresses to keep talking about the team. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks so much, man. Mike. Have a great day. You too. And if he does go to the G League, Jeff, yeah, we'd be able to to follow him. And and we, look, well, we're. We're going to be – are you trying to say something? Well, we're going to be doing a show about it. Yes, we so are. We'll so we'll be able for, to follow. For people who haven't heard yet, uh, Jason and I are taking on our next venture, which is going to be called The Regiment, and we are going to do an official weekly show of the Sixers G League team, which is based uh, – the Delaware Bluecoats, which is going to be based in Wilmington when they have that gorgeous new field house done. But in the meantime – their first home game is going to be what November twentieth. November twentieth at the Wells Fargo Center. 
Jeff's already lining up for his Joel Embiid bubble yes, head doll. Yes, if you haven't gotten your <coughs> tickets, you really should because there's nothing better than a Joel Embiid bobblehead, right? It's it's going to be a fun opportunity, though, <coughs> because um, we like to follow the journey of players. And, and yes, we like to talk pro sports, but um, the stories of athletes recovering from injury, going there to play like we just talked about, or trying to make their way into the league, not being picked as that first-round draft pick. Um, the stories there are fun, and then the community involvement that the Blue Coats have will be something else that we talk about. Their their new arena there, um, going to be great opportunity for for local groups to be involved. So there's going to be lots for us to talk about on that and, show. And and they're the way that they're going to build themselves into this community, I think, is going to be almost seamless. They've already been in Delaware for a while. <laughs> Wilmington has embraced them. They're going to have this really nice new building. Yes. I mean, if you've seen renderings of it, anyone. It is gorgeous, and right. I think that it's going to be. If you don't get tickets, I'm not saying this to sell them. I'm telling you, get them now because that place is going to be sold out, and it's going to be loud. It's it's going to be a, a fun atmosphere there. Um, you're going to stop trying to get me out there to to play, right? You're you're going to stop. Yeah, that. the open tryouts are over. Okay, good. so so I missed my window you, again. You know, I I told you to follow your dream. I have. I didn't go. You did not do that. My dream is not to be embarrassed. <laughs> That's not my dream. Well, you know, you you you've pl- you played in another sport in a minor league stadium this week, and, and I, I never figure you should just keep moving. I never thought I'd do that. You either. could be a multi-sports star like Tim Tebow. Um, yeah, unlikely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I can handle talking into a microphone is an athletic opportunity for me some days. Well, we'll we'll get to to our athletic endeavor, which led to a lot of Advil the next day. Yes, uh, after the break, but. Last to finish our our little bit of sleep night and day and night whatever you want to call it, you went from before the Sixers. You had last night's late game in Vegas. Yeah, can I start a petition to not let the Flyers start on on the West Coast? What is that about? This it is does the third the... year in a row. It's ridiculous. Why? Just let me go to bed already. Why do they do it? I don't understand. Oh, why not? Maybe have... because the Flyers are a how, draw. How hard is it with computers to figure out a schedule that? For the first game, opening day for every That team. you're in your time zone? Exactly. I think that might be good. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. How many kids got to stay up last night and watch a game that started after 10? None. And that's the None. problem. How do you build a fan base if And even if you are a fan, you could alter, you could for, by 9 o'clock, you could forget that there's a game on at 10. Yeah. See, I was looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not their, their target yeah, at that Please point. tell me you didn't like w- try to watch the Vegas Knights opening because I... That that opening they have is so ridiculous. It's show tunes, basically. Oh you're, go, you're going to see Broadway, it, it, it real, but it's like third rate Broadway. Well, it's it's Vegas. It's like high school Broadway. So you're like not a, high you're not a fan. Production. No. Okay, I was a fan of what I saw with the Flyers though last night. Yeah. That that was exciting to see them them start the season that way. Going to a hostile arena. Simmons. Going to a hostile arena. Yeah. Uh, defending Western Conference champions. Right. Lots going on, and you put a beat down on them. I mean, it was a solid. Yeah, well, it was shaky at first. The first ten minutes, yeah, Elliot kept first you in the game. Was like, ooh, yeah, here we go. So that's the challenge with fantasy hockey: is that I have no. Him this is on real hockey. I I wasn't happy about yeah. it, but once the Flyers were winning, I wasn't disappointed with it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the balance of a fantasy fan when you're watching sports. But uh, no, I mean, look, they went the second period. They just dominated right all before the the mm-hmm. first ten minutes. Three goals. Wayne Simmons had two goals in the game by that point. And Van Riemsdyk didn't score, but he he clearly has a presence out there that's going to make that line very good. I like that line. You, yeah. You've got the the rookie there. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, say his name. Verboyev. 
you just said it. Why say do I have it. To do? Go ahead. Borboya. There you go. Something like that. that. Yeah. It's close. But him on a line with with Van Riemsdyk and and Simmons definitely is something to watch. That the depth that they have on their three front lines. Yeah. I mean that's your third line. Like, but I, <clears throat> by the way, I, they scored five goals yesterday. But the bigger question is, is is the net larger this year? Because I, there seems to be a lot of scoring these first couple days around the league, including the Capitals, who won their first game by a touchdown. Yes. And then yesterday lost in overtime seven to six. So it obviously the net's not bigger, but <laughs> <laughs> in case you I thought I was serious. I haven't about actually it. been out there with a tape measure or anything <laughs> to let you know. But there's at least... Early on, there seems to be a lot of scoring. I'm not disappointed with that. Yeah. I like scoring. Uh, I like the second line that they have with Oscar Lindblom on there with mm-hmm. Nolan Patrick and, and Jake Voracek. I, I really, I'm really looking forward to Nolan Patrick this year. I I, th- I think he had a great season last year, and I think that he's going to just continue to grow. And keep keep in mind how young he still is. Uh, defense had some issues last night. They're you know, going to. Not their, 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 I, I worry about. The we talked about that last yep. last week with Sam Carcitti. You know. They're going to have defensive breakdowns, and their goaltenders are going to have to bail them out. Last night, Brian Elliott did that. Right. But that's going to be a problem. Power play. The offense of, is not going to be a problem. No. No, it's it's just going to be the defenses. Yeah. It's and the, an and, issue. And they're going to have breakdowns because mm-hmm. of the way that they play together. I just don't know how it'll work out. I mean, they killed off all three power plays, which that was something that they were looking to improve on because last year they were brutal. Yep. Power play, kind of a mixed bag. One well, they, they scored a goal on the power play, but they, they also gave, gave up, up a shorthanded, shorthanded goal. And that's, you know, and that can't happen. No. And not against a team as good as those Vegas are game is. changers. Yep. Those are momentum changers mm-hmm. when that happens in a game. You, you can't let that happen. You, you So do you feel better after one game, Jeff? It's one game. I'm not going to feel better until they get a better goalie. Well, that's the everything. So I Carter mean, I, Hart's down in the minors. Are you yes. going to Lehigh Valley? We're going. To, their opening game is Saturday night. Yes. Um, we do plan on going. With my luck, Carter Hart won't start. But wait, you're going, going out to Lehigh Valley to watch the game? Yeah. You and your son? Uh huh. And my wife. Oh, and your wife? Yeah. Look at so that. Where, again, where was my invitation? Huh? Where's my invitation? Thought I'm oh, like part of the family. Yeah. Well, if I ask you to go on a Saturday night, well, to at least give me the opportunity going. to turn it down. All right. Next. Then I don't feel like I was wanted. I have to find out about this on the air. It's so hey, embarrassing. If, if you if you want to drive, you are welcome to drive. No, I'll pass. You have a good time. Uh, we but already went up there one day. Last get week. pictures and tell me how Carter Hart looks. The, uh, that's what I'm. We're, we're hoping <laughs> to see Carter Hart. What I was disappointed is that Morgan Frost did not is not on the Phantoms. That surprise you? Yeah. Uh, the fact that they sent him back to juniors, I was really kind of hoping that he would. He would make it to the Phantoms, but I guess they think he's still a little too young and a little too skinny. They have a bunch of new faces on this team, though. Yeah, and and a bunch of young faces. Mm-hmm. So this is gonna. I still think that this is a team in transition. You got a bunch of veterans, a bunch of young guys, and you can't figure out what you got a goalie. It's. I I just worry. It would be so nice to just have that goalie situation worked out. I'm not telling you Carter Hart's the answer. I'm hoping he's the answer. I think everybody in the city's hoping he's the answer. I'm just going to record but you saying me- that and what? play it over and over what? again that they need to work out the goalie situation. That's like a caveat well, to every Flyers conversation. Well, you could have been doing that for the last 25 years. Yeah, it's but, a caveat to every Flyers conversation. But it's how you end I'm, it. I'm still not sh- sure that Anthony Stolarz is in a better option if he's healthy than Brian Elliott or Neuver. So... I, I would like to see – I hope they don't start the season playing five straight games with Brian Elliott as the goalie. I hope we get to see Stolarz. Because you want to see, see what you have. Yes. And because I, I 
because we know Brian Elliott's not the answer. I mean, do you remember when they signed him? And I pointed out how few games he played in any season. He has never been a guy who's played 60, 70 games. He is not going to be that now. All right, Debbie Downer. It's not to be Debbie Downer because I because I want they have a bunch of young goalies. They they, they have, Stolarz is a young goalie, Lion, but he's hurt right now. So would you take some early losses in the season to see what you have with Stolarz? Because yeah. I think that the value in Neuverth and Elliott is as a trading chip. I mean, they are what they are for this team. If you have something more and there's value in getting not, somebody else, you're not. What, what What do you think you're ever going to get? Let's say Brian Elliott. Has if a, a good team course, loses their number one goaltender, they would trade not. for Brian Elliott. But what are you going to get? A seventh round, eighth round pick? Oh, I don't know. I in, mean, they, in 2026, I mean, you're not you're not going to get anything. Well, for you're him. just never going to be happy. Then you don't like what's here. You don't want to make any changes. No, I just don't think Brian Elliott's going to bring you much in hope return. That what you see with Carter Hart is good Saturday night. I want I want to report <laughs> back next week. Wait, it's st- he's still playing in the minors. It's one just like I said with the Flyers. It's one game. I want to report back next uh, week on the next ten games, star that Jeff play. is going to have out there doing everything. Um, all right, Jeff, why don't we head to break? And then when we come back, we've got Eagles, we've got Phillies, and we could talk about your softball prowess. You, you realize we just, we, just, we just had a nice little segment about the Flyers. Yes. And we did not talk about Gritty. So do you want me to wait to go to break so you could really talk about Gritty? Like, well, for real? Grit, gritty was on TV all over the place this week. Gr- look, Gritty has gritty, caught on Gritty was on, was on Jimmy Fallon this week. Then Conan O'Brien kind of took a shot at Look, him, which was his eyes are still freaky. By the way, did and now you, they have did, a cheesesteak. <laughs> what a Gritty has a cheesesteak? Yeah, it's basically a cheesesteak, but with uh, Cheetos on it. Of course, you know about that. Why am I not surprised that I could ask you thirty-five things about sports and you wouldn't know? But, Cheetos, but if I ask you, you know if, if Gritty's got a cheesesteak <laughs> and what's on it, you can tell me every ingredient. How does that happen, Brett? Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see the Conan? If you did not see it, you have to see it because it, he wanted to. He wanted to explore who was under the costume. Okay. And so that he takes off the costume head, and it's just a, a human gritty person. It was hilarious. I'm just concerned because you were anti gritty, and now you've boomeranged to. No. No, I am anti gritty. I don't. So I, you're I'm still not, I'm not a mascot person, other than the fanatic. But um, I, I think that. I believe that the, he's caught on because because there was such a backlash. He caught on because everybody else hated That's him. That's right. And so, you can't so hate on what we, we as, hate. We as Philadelphia have said, he's our ugly brother. Yes. And nobody else can call my brother ugly except a Philadelphia. So you're going to go out there and defend Gritty's honor, Jeff. I'm not. He is <laughs> ugly and he's scary. <laughs> By the way, after I asked you when you were getting your Gritty tattoo on the show last somebody week, got somebody one. got a Gritty yeah, tattoo. <laughs> All right, we'll head to break. When we come back, we got Eagles and more. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. 
with former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's The Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. I wish that there was something during break because you just kind of went off about Derek Jeter before we even got the baseball. I can do it now. Go ahead. Tell me why you're angry at Derek because Jeter. Because despite Derek Jeter being this this icon in New York and baseball, he is the worst general manager <laughs> that we have seen in our lifetime. <laughs> I mean, think about it. He didn't just That's trade. some bad general managers out there. So he, make your case. Jeff. All right, ready? I'll just give you the outfield. I don't even have to give you the whole team. <laughs> okay. Ahead. So he traded Stanton. Great. You got rid of his salary, so you got more money in your pocket. As far as I can tell, he got nothing. He hit a home run the other night, right? In the in the he wild card. He always hits a home run. Yes. Close the game, okay. Then you then you got rid of Yelich. He did something in the for game Lewis with Milwaukee, Brinson, right? who has not been that good, and he will be the NL MVP this year. And I don't think he's been out in like two weeks. And he played well in Milwaukee in their first playoff game, correct? Correct. Okay. And Ozuna is a twenty-five homer, eighty-five RBI, something like that, and he got nothing for him. So he cleared the books, but he didn't restock the farm system. So you're anti Derek Jeter right now. Uh, I'm no. You're anti bad baseball moves. I'm anti Derek Jeter, the general manager, because he's destroyed that. I mean, you see how few people go to the games, even beforehand. The reason I'm mad is because he didn't send any of those players to the Phillies. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to give them away, can, can I'll you take imagine them? If, if if this year we had Yelich in the outfield and Hoskins was back? Well, then Hoskins base. would have to be at first base, which is what should happen. All right, we might as well just talk, talk about go baseball. Ahead. We'll go Eagles afterwards. Sister. Because now we have all these moves that are going to have to be made. Now it looks like Hoskins is going back to first base. Good. You think? It seems like everything that, that I read seems... He shouldn't have been moved. Somebody they, should have listened to me last year, right? I don't listen to but, you, but maybe they will. But, so here's my biggest question of all. All the Only talk... One? Is, well, there's a bunch on this I was going to say, that limits but it. But all, all the talk... The last couple days has been on Santana moving to third base. Yes. As if there's no third baseman here. I don't understand why they're not talking about trading Santana. Well, because Santana is supposedly going to be the guy who's going to be able to recruit Machado. That's what that's And what so heard. in but, your but, mind, is that worth keeping him here? Because you're right. There is a third baseman. And then where is everybody going to play once Machado gets here? Then we'll have three third basemen. We kind of talked about that. But, but what... I'm confused about is is it's if, as if Franco's not here. I mean, Franco is a. Would you agree? Be, Franco is a better ball player at this point in his career than Santana is at this point. He's a better power hitter. Is he a better third baseman? Well, yeah, but Santana's not a third baseman. He's being forced to play third because no, the, I actually found out he did. They did try him at third in Cleveland years ago. It didn't work. Well, exactly. <laughs> right. So, so oh, he, okay. He was a so third baseman. He was just bad. He's a third baseman, just not one that actually. Franco worked. is a better power hitter, better RBI guy, better fielding third baseman. So why is it that we need to experiment with an older guy? Who walks a lot? Well, that seemed to be the motto of the Phillies this season: experimenting. I mean, they tried a lot of things, a lot of things that didn't work. Some of them that did. Which ones? Which were? Well, for a while they were playing well. I mean, they, they were. They went with some of their younger pitchers. They, you know, the pitching was the pitching was good. 
Um, for, and that held them up. But the the fielding experiment, like you still, you had J.P. Crawford, who I heard when he came back up, well, they were going to make sure that they put him in all the time. And then, and then he hardly play. played. And Kingery was put at the, Look, like they were desperate not to play him on, in second. On defense, you can you can pick your stat if it's errors, if it's fielding percentage, if it's yes. runs saved. None of the data. I don't care what analytics reflects mm-hmm. it. It does not show that they played defense well. They had 121 errors and a 979 fielding percentage, right. both behind St. Louis as the worst in baseball. Right. I, I mean, there's no good way to spin that when you're giving up runs. But here's the thing. I know you're not into the shift. Yeah. They only shifted the— Not into it? Boy, that's an understatement. 10th in shifting. Right. So it wasn't that they shifted all the time they in terms of— They shifted poorly. Well, and so that's what I'm saying. Right. What does that say about the overall strategy of this team? That they know. Is it that the players weren't good enough defensively in the positions they were put, or they weren't put in the positions where they could play the best? Well, the, the argument that was made was that the reason they used the shift so much was to try to cover for deficiencies in the defense. But I, I don't felt like it exacerbated but, Well, that's it. I mean, look, if you look at a baseball field, it's a really big area to cover. And if, you, if the guys that are playing are not equipped to play those areas well, it doesn't matter. I don't think that you can cover for that. The ball finds the person. As, <laughs> as, we, as we saw in our softball game the other day, the ball finds you. Right. You can't. It's not like Little League where you can put the, you know, the poor kid in right field. Which you is know? what we tried to do in the softball game. You tried to put me in right field. Uh, and the, Hey, I wasn't the manager. They said, where do you want to play? I said, where I could do the least amount of damage to the team. Well, you said the bench. And, that's where you can. Well, I'd, oh, that's okay. That's I where I, I'd yeah. have sat there all day and just watched you all play the game. Look, here's the thing. I was okay. So for our listeners, Jeff yeah, and I were invited to play about? in the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs media softball game the other day. I am not what you would call a good softball player on a good day uh, when I was younger you and in better shape. Yourself well. But I, I did not totally embarrass the show. Mm-hmm. I got a hit and I, I caught an out. Jeff, on the other hand, is a masher, went five for six. Hit one out to the wall. I'm retiring, man. You should never play again. Uh-huh. Just walk off like that. I would have carried you off the field, you know, but you know I could barely like? move it, myself. It, it's like my first round of golf every year when I haven't practiced at all. For some reason, I do really well, and then it just goes downhill all spring and summer. At least you started so it's high, like, though. So the same thing with softball. I, you know, this was the first time I played softball this year. Don't play again, Jeff, because that's that, it. That's drop, it. Drop the bat. Those five hits are the only ones I would be getting. We should thank the Iron Pigs for the invite. It was fun to be with a lot of the different media outlets that cover the team and, and be out there playing. Uh, it was interesting to to see who has the athletic skills on this show. Uh, it's not quite me, but that's okay. Did you enjoy like like standing on the warning track waiting for that fly ball? Except for the home run that was hit over my yeah. head. <laughs> How's your neck from watching that thing fly over your head? That was really high. I mean, Matt, Matt Province just bashed that. Ball. He, I mean, that was a that was a rope. He just line drived it. You know, the interesting thing is, so it's funny you say that because yeah. I never pictured what the sound would be like when it hits off the wall. Right. <laughs> it's. I always thought there was more padding there. <laughs> it was. It was kind of a thud. It just fell back down. <laughs> so it, it was so fun to be out there playing. Next year, you can test how much padding by running into the wall and trying to catch it. As only if you take a picture of me <laughs> as I'm like splatted on the wall. But no, it was, it was fun Thank to play out there. Thank goodness there's no video, right? Um, yes, exactly. We won't be talking about anybody else's play uh, after the way that we played. But we, we did not totally embarrass ourselves, so that's okay. All right. So well, well, back to the Phillies, though. Yeah. Tell me about the bullpen. Because I saw this line in The Athletic. Um, 
So conversations with relievers over the final days of the season revealed some frustrations with how they were used, including in September when the roster expanded to 40 players, including 15 relievers. Here's a quote. Some nights he was managing like it was Game 7 of the World Series, said one Phillies reliever. The inconsistency in not knowing what your role was one game to the next was stressful. Have you heard that before somewhere? I've said this. But this team says that they're not making changes. They will. They will. Otherwise, if if they're saying now that they're not making changes, then what is what are they talking about? Gabe said that he's going to go out. He's going to solicit feedback for how he can do things better, right? He's going to do put out an anonymous survey in the clubhouse. I, I don't know. Well, there was a survey. <laughs> he's going to send around a relievers. doodle and let people. No, he was gonna, he was going to talk to other people in other organizations. He was going to talk to the coaches and stuff. That means that implies that if you're seeking comments, that you're going to try to change he's gonna right? call you so saying we're not going to change doesn't make any sense the, he has to change otherwise there is a fear that players won't come here if word gets out that this is gonna be, look remember he started out as a manager worse than you could ever possibly start out with the hobie Mil- milner debacle calling a guy in t- that did not warm up and having the uh, remember that's how this all started. The season started with Hobie Milner it coming in. It was a in. long season. Yeah, but do you re- remember Hobie Milner came in? Yeah, the in, umpire didn't know what the hell was going on. The umpire said, "I'm not going to let him pitch until he warms up, no matter what the rule says, and because uh, no matter what the coach did." That was a bad way to start. It got better after that, but. Pitchers need to know their roles. It, it's it, it's it's a mentality Players thing. Players need to know their roles. Yes, but for for relievers, we have this conversation every year that once that the the relievers get better, the bullpen gets better once everybody's identified who's the closer, who's the eighth inning guy, who's going to be going in against lefties, and we never had that situation. And it it's very hard to prepare yourself. Baseball players, more than any other sport, are, are creatures of habit. habit. Okay, yep. and they're just like they're suspicious. That's not going to change. The game is changing, but that's not going to change. What really concerns me is is not even something that Gabe implemented. My fear is that he's the kind of guy that will Im- implement this next year. I do not ever want to see the opener. Ever. Which we saw with the A's in the A with the A's in yes. their playoff. And I was is that re- a play in play off. What is that? That was a wild card. Game. That was their wild. That was card the actual. Game. Wild I hate card this one. Game. It was game. the National League that had the two. I can't stand games. the the game one sixty three and then the, well, like the any, stop the start. I, ta- the, I, I talked to some of my friends in Chicago who were like, "Wait a second, why is it not just as simple as if we get through the season, go by stunt head to head?" In fact, a lot of people thought that's what would happen. So. If if the Cubs and the Brewers play twenty times and the Cubs won fourteen of the games, then the Cubs should win the division. Why are you now putting a team at a disadvantage? So the Cubs and the Brewers, whoever won that game one sixty three, had home field advantage throughout the whole playoffs, but were at a disadvantage because they had to use a pitcher instead of having a day of rest. That doesn't make sense. You're supposed to be the whole point of having the one game plot wild card is to put a team as a disadvantage. Having the one game wild card, but a day before have a determination of who is going to win the division and who's going to the wild card put both of those teams at a disadvantage. It just the that did not make any sense to me at all, but this opener thing 
is a nightmare to me. Well, for and a baseball traditionalist who likes to see a pitcher pitch. Well, and, and you're just asking <clears throat> for even more changes, which means the game is going to become a three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour game. The, I don't know how they do it, but in the offseason, they have got to figure out a way to stop this because you know what it's also going to do? You're never going to have the guys who pitch complete games. We're already going away from that. We talked to Ron Darling about that that there is less and less of those guys. As a guy who loves to see a a guy go late into a game, a potential shutout or a potential no-hitter, if that's going to go away in the second inning? Are you in the minority of fans there who I like don't that? think so. I, I, I mean, maybe. Your baseball traditionalists like that, but how big of a segment of baseball fans is that compared to those who find a 0-0 or 1-1 game boring? They they may because it seems like baseball's catering to and their ads. But, but even. Did you see the ads is. for the playoffs? Yeah, where they they basically took a hit at the people who are complaining and said like the talking is done type stuff. Well, it's time that's to, fine. to play ball. That's fine, but even if you're not a traditionalist, it's all it, this change doesn't lead to more scoring. the The argument is always the traditionals are hol- holding back scoring, and people want to see more scoring quicker. If you're starting with the opener and then going to another guy right away, the whole point of the opener is to get a fast start, and then the next time the guys are up, they're seeing a different pitcher again. So, because you do better when you go f- when you face a pitcher more. So usually, so I don't, don't understand by that mentality. Why not just have each pitcher pace the rotation one time? Is that, that, is that, that where you're moving that's, to? That's not where I'm moving to. That's where the closer thing is going, and and so it's going to create less offense. Less interest in, in pitchers, and I don't know who's going to get the money at the end of this because the starters are always the ones that get the money. Now, now you're going to have all these guys that pitch three innings, and once you get away from that, getting back to that's going to be nearly impossible. And that's why I'm fearful of this, and they need to figure this out now. Because I'm not a Yankee fan. I don't root for the Yankees ever. And so I'm sitting there. I but. turn on the game. And I'm immediately an A's fan for that game until they announced, until I saw, oh, they're starting with a closer. And I <laughs> you, said, I said, I can, they can't win because you, you cannot encourage this kind of bad behavior. You stop rooting for a team you're not a fan of because yes. of a managerial decision. Correct. Okay. Glad that worked <laughs> out for you. Are you staying up to watch the rest of the playoffs or are you a guy that the Phillies are eliminated? And, no, I'm watching. You're a baseball guy. Yes. So you, you like uh, the... I'm already counting till the winter meetings. I'm already I mean, I love the playoff atmosphere. Um, you talk three to four hours for games. How long... Uh, over under on the Yankees Boston game tonight. Oh, it's going to be long. I mean, they play long games in the yeah. regular season. Mm-hmm. All these managerial moves, and, and and I think with both the Red Sox and the Yankees, you don't have a bunch of stud starting pitchers. Chris Sale, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him at this point. Same thing with David Price. The Yankees. Have no, these set. guys will go to their bullpen. They have yeah. no qualms about going right. deep so in their the, bullpen. These are going to be long games. I have a buddy who's going to the Red Sox Yankee game. Never been to a playoff game before. Can you imagine that as you're like your first? What playoff an atmosphere! Game? Nothing will ever. That's com- what I told him. To he said one of his kids is like scared of what he's going to go to like a spring training game afterwards and be like, uh, "Where it's, is everybody?" Yeah, that that's just, that atmosphere has just got to be crazy. All right, let's talk about crazy atmospheres. Last week, you had a lot of Eagles fans in Nashville. Yes. They were disappointed. Uh-huh. I was disappointed. Unless, unless they went to Broadway beforehand, and then they didn't care that much. The Eagles were up 17-3 last week. Yeah. You shouldn't lose a game when you're up 17-3, to Jeff. 
The Eagles had four fourth downs to defend against, three fourth downs to defend against in overtime. Just so you know, I looked out the window. The sky has not fallen. Well, and that's what, what's their record? It's two they're and two, two and two, right? And they and play in Minnesota. A really bad division. They play Minnesota, who's won. Okay, yeah. so they're gonna. I still think they're gonna win the division, right. but this team plays differently when they're at home and when they're on the road. Mm-hmm. And to have to go to L.A. in a playoffs is different than to come to the link in the playoffs. And so you you can't say, oh, did you think they were repeating this year? I didn't make a judgment on that, but I don't like the, well, we did it last year. This team won the Super Bowl. This team didn't win the Super Bowl. They're different players. Mm -hmm. And for Jim Schwartz to say that Jalen Mills was my starting quarterback in the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl, I hate to tell you, your defense gave up over 500 yards. Your offense won that game for you until until Brandon Graham knocked the ball away. So I really don't want to hear about how any one individual player won something for you. You outscored them. All right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I watch, I get that it's worse than Jalen Mills. You got Ronald Darby out there making mistakes. You got plays on a fourth and 15 on a dump off to the running back. How can you not tackle the guy in overtime? I, I mean, there were things that I saw last week that I, I just didn't understand. And Other, I, other than, I look, the defensive line is is strong. It's very good. Yes. But, but they have a weakness in the linebacking core, and they have a weakness in their secondary. Their secondary is a, a problem. Yeah. You know what else is a, a challenge? Their offensive line. They are going to get Carson Wentz killed. I mean, they really, they, okay. Well, so they're, well they're, they're supposedly moving Wisniewski out. They're right? moving him out for so, Sam Malu. Through the right. first four games, they've allowed 14 sacks. That puts them on pace for 56 sacks. The Colts allowed 56 sacks as the leader last year. Carson Wentz played in two. And they two did get Andrew Luck killed. Killed. Yeah. They, and Carson Wentz has played in two of those games. Mm-hmm. Nine of the 14 sacks have come in those two games. You can't have your think, quarterback uh, get hit that yeah, much. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not. I'm not overly worried with the offensive line. I think they'll figure it out. I think that'll be fine. Uh, I'm still worried about it. And I think that with the offense, once Alshon Jeffrey is, is He looked healthier, better coming back. Right, but give him a couple weeks to get back into it. So you're not worried? I'm more worried about the defense, and I'm a little worried that Derek Barnett's not playing this weekend. So the, that's a problem, too. I, I just think that that defense is going to be – Sproles is out again, by the way. So, is he officially out? Did they announce yeah, that? Uh-huh. And, and, and Barnett was officially Clem, announced. Clement's that. doubtful or questionable right. so far. There, there was a there was a rumor I heard this 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 morning about Amir Abdallah possibly coming here. Do you want him? No. I mean he he, he was uh, he was a big pick from Nebraska for the Lions and did absolutely nothing in, there. In the world of fantasy, would you yeah. trade for Le'Veon Bell? In the world of fantasy? Well, I don't think they're actually going to do it. I would. He's a bad guy. Pittsburgh's he, offering him. Would you trade no, for him? No. I, do you do you want to mess up the locker room with that nonsense? The uh, I keep waiting. The offensive linemen for the Steelers have been ripping him. Right. Yes. I keep thinking of. Did you ever see the movie The Replacements? Yes. And, and, and where the offensive line just lets everybody through. Yes. Okay. Can you not picture Le'Veon Bell getting a hand? Ben Roethlisberger handing it off to him, and the offensive line just letting everybody through. It would be interesting. He's going to come <laughs> play. He'll play in game in game seven. And so he's so he's announced that he's coming back, but not yet. I mean, he's wait. He's he's going to wait until the Steelers are not in play in the playoff contention, and then he's really going to say, "I'm going to risk next my my career to play for a team that's not going to be in the playoffs." That doesn't make any sense. So do you have? So concerns? I don't want him anywhere. He is a talented guy. I don't want him anywhere near this team. Uh, concerns about the Eagles running backs currently. Jay Ajayi has a fracture in his back. 
Mm-hmm. Corey Clements still nursing an injury. We'll see whether he plays. Sproles, as you said, out again. Means we're going to get some Wendell Smallwood again. And look, it's amazing because before the season, we didn't know if Smallwood was going to make this team. I still have concerns about Smallwood's ability to pick up the blitz. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's, yeah, he's uh, he leaves some questions when you when you watch. Where's Pumphrey these days? He got cut by whatever practice squad he was on. Actually, there you go. Bring him back. You're welcome. There you go. I'm glad to be able to give you your Uh Donald Pumphrey update. So, what do you think is going to happen this weekend? I think the Eagles are going to win, but only because they're at home. And I have some serious concerns about the secondary. Um, I think that they are going to... They've already said they're not moving Jalen Mills out as a starter, but they don't play base defense for a lot of the game. And I I think that Jalen Mills is going to have to be moved in some type of coverage. I think they want to get Avante Maddox on the field more, uh, whether he plays safety where he is, I'm not sure. That seems to be the move that they want to make. I just don't, I mean, look, none of them are Rodley McLeod mm-hmm. and, you know, Corey Graham is not going to cut it. And so I don't know what they do. Remember, they traded for Ronald Darby in week two or right. three a couple of years ago. They traded for Ajayi early on. So I have no idea whether Howie makes a move to try and do something there. But I'm not comfortable with what they have going on in the secondary. They also haven't had near the turnovers they've had last year. And when you're not getting the pressure or the sacks and not getting the turnovers, you expose your secondary even more. Well, I think they're going to get some turnovers off of Kirk Cousins this week. I, I, you like that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. You got to do it. You got to do it with a more gusto than that. You like that. Yeah. I, I wish I had the audio. Uh, I, to I think you know, their familiarity with Cousins is going to help with the defense and any of the, the leaking problems they have with the defense. But the Vikings have not been good this year. No. Not at all. And their defense has not been good. And Everson Griffin looks like he's still going to be out, which is good if you're an Eagles fan, um, but not good if you're a Minnesota fan. Jeff, we have a couple minutes left. And Mm -hmm. before we we close out, I Uh wanted to give you some time to talk about what's going on in college basketball. Oh, can we, if we're going to talk college sports, can we start with college football? Sure. And Nick Saban? Sure. So Nick Saban has decided that he's going to rip the students of Alabama for not coming to the garbage football game that they scheduled last week. You don't approve. It's not an approval. I think it's seriously. Nick Saban, you're you have to you're paying some second-rate program to come in and get their butts whooped. They should pay Rutgers to come in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen the, the schools Alabama puts on its schedule? They put schools on that those guys are literally afraid of getting hurt during the game because there's Alabama players are so much bigger than them. So you pay them eight hundred thousand to a million dollars to come in to literally get beat. You don't and, approve. And and if you're a student, you you're saying, look, I don't feel like going to this. It's not a game. You now, don't you don't approve. Now I love a good blowout. I mean, I will tell you. There's nothing I prefer. I don't. I think a close game is overrated. I, I want my team. So you want like a seventy to seven, like keep pouring it on score. That's pretty close to the score of the Michigan Rutgers game I was at two years. Ago. I know I got all the score alerts on my phone. <laughs> I'm well aware of all of the touchdowns that Rutgers gives up because I haven't turned off my score alerts. So it doesn't matter how perceived bad the team is that we're playing. I get a lot of score alerts against Rutgers. I I will continue to root for them. But it is not going well. Halfway through that that Michigan Rutgers game, which I think it was seventy seven to nothing, uh, I turned to one of my fellow alums and said, 
I will bet you the football team scores more points than the basketball team. And they team did. Does, and they did. They did. <laughs> Look, now, with basketball, we now have the trial with Louisville yes. and Adidas, where the father, Bowen, has said that his son was offered, what, 100 grand? To How is this not a bigger story? Not because of his the one kid, but the fact that it, the allegation is, is that a a school of which you're wearing a sweatshirt right now is be that a, a the school gets money from the apparel company and the apparel companies are trying to direct high school kids to the colleges that they have their apparel at by paying these kids how is this if this is true if this turns out and that the, the trial goes as they think it's going to how is this not a bigger story because is the it, coach has already been fired at Louisville. But this is not limited gonna, to one school. The the, there are some big, big schools and, other than and that. And the in minute there. some of those schools take action on those coaches, it'll become a bigger story. They're not going to take action because on them. it is. It's a detail story. It's not flashy, even though it is flashy. It's it, not. It, it's so troubling. It's apparel payments, right? And I, it, and to get the. So they're not going to cover so is, it. So like is the issue is the reason people don't care because I didn't say people don't care. I said I it's not covered. No, I think I th- there's I th- a difference. I think people don't care because they and there's two reasons. One is it they should be paid, so they're getting paid. There's that. Or is there well everybody's the perception that everybody's doing it. So what's the big deal? There's that. I think there's also well it's not going to change. So why am I going to worry about it? I just think this is as troubling to sports, and if you believe players, college players should get paid. But that's one thing. But breaking the rules is not something you, that should be the solution. Are you surprised, though? Yeah, I am surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that an apparel company is this involved in it. If they are, and by the way, if I'm with one of those schools and I'm recruiting the guy, and he goes to another one of those schools, hey, what the. Bleep. <laughs> That's going to be the yeah. last word for this week, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week on The Heart of Sports. Make sure to join us next Friday night as you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and you talk to you next week.